that it's Easter morning, I'm guessing that some of you have probably already done an Easter egg hunt in your house. Has anybody already done a little bit of an Easter egg hunt today? Anybody? Got a couple hands here and there. Well, my questions this morning are in that same vein, that same line of thinking about searching for things, okay? And I need somebody to help answer one of, a couple of my questions. Who's willing to answer the first question? Okay, I saw uh, uh, Kate's hand first. Kate, um, if you were getting dressed in the morning and you had all of your clothes on except for your socks, when it was time to put your socks on, would you ever go to the refrigerator to find your socks? No, why not? Socks do not belong in the refrigerator. Listen, how silly it would be to keep your socks in the refrigerator. You'd probably get a foot freeze when you put them on, and your toes would smell like broccoli all day long, right? Nobody keeps their socks in the refrigerator. Okay, I need uh, who, uh, Emery. Uh, Emery, if you had just... Um, we're getting ready to go to church in the morning or to school one morning, and uh, your mom or your dad told you to go and brush your teeth. Would you ever go and look for your toothbrush in your underwear drawer? No. <laughs> no. Why not? Yeah. Nobody keeps their toothbrush in their underwear drawer, do they? Otherwise, every time you brush your teeth, it's going to taste like underwear. And nobody wants that taste in their mouth. Okay, last one. Okay, the Kellys can answer together. Ready? If you guys have just finished eating dinner, and your mom or dad tells you you can go get a popsicle, would you ever go and get a popsicle out of the oven? Exactly. Burned up. I never thought of that, but yes, yes. That you would never go and look for a popsicle in the oven because it would melt. It, it just wouldn't work. You will never, ever, ever be able to find a frozen popsicle in an oven. These are all really silly ideas, aren't they? No one would ever go look for their socks in the refrigerator or for their toothbrush in their underwear drawer or for a popsicle in the oven. That's not where those things are ever found. But did you guys know that we actually do silly things like that all the times in our lives? Every one of us does. We often look for the very most important things in life in the silliest of places. We look for things that, that really matter the most in life in places where the things that matter most could never be found. And that's kind of what our story this morning out of Luke chapter 24 is all about. In this passage, everyone is looking for the most important thing in life, but they're looking for him in a place where he could never be found. And so if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open with me to Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 1, and let's try to understand why it is that we look for life in places uh, in, in, in the wrong places, and what we can actually do to find the life that we are looking for. This story, uh, it took place on the very first Easter morning. It's an account of some of the women who had traveled with Jesus from Galilee uh, to Jerusalem before He had been crucified. And after they had seen Him 
killed two days earlier. They, they had watched when his body had been taken down from the cross and when it had been laid in the tomb. And after having rested on the Sabbath day, which they were required to do by law, here on the third day, these women were coming to uh, prepare Jesus' body with spices and perfumes in order to give him a proper burial. And so that's where we pick up in verse 1, where we read in Luke chapter 24, verse 1. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, the women went to the tomb taking the spices that they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. These women went to the tomb looking for Jesus. But when they went inside the tomb, they could not find Him there. And it caused them great confusion. They were wondering what in the world was going on. They were convinced that this is where he was, that this is where they would find him. Yet he was nowhere to be found. And in the midst of their confusion, two angels appeared to them, gleaming like lightning. And they said to the women, why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? It's almost as if these angels are telling the women that looking for Jesus in a tomb is as crazy an idea as looking for your socks in the refrigerator or your toothbrush in your underwear drawer. Why are you looking for the source of all life in a tomb, in a place where life can never be found? Yet this is what we do all the time, isn't it? We have a tendency to look for the things that give us life in places where life can never be found. We have examples of this all throughout the Scriptures. Consider Zacchaeus from Luke chapter 19. Zacchaeus was a a tax collector who had put all of his hopes into his status and into his wealth. And in many ways, it it appears that he had succeeded at both. He, He made it all the way to the status of chief tax collector. He made it to the very pinnacle of his career. And the Scriptures tell us that he had accumulated great wealth. He had all that he wanted. Yet in the end, those things did not satisfy him. He was hated by the people that he collected taxes from. There was a hole in his heart that couldn't be filled by his status or by his wealth. He was looking for some kind of life, but he wasn't finding it in the places where he was looking. Or consider the woman who was adultery from John chapter 8. Whether she had turned that lifestyle out of necessity or because she was forced to or out of her own desire is unknown to us. But what we do know is that whatever she was looking for in that lifestyle, she wasn't finding it. If she had turned adultery for survival, she was about to be killed. If she had turned there for pleasure, she was experiencing great pain. Either way, there was a hole in her life that couldn't be filled by the lifestyle that she was living. She was looking for some kind of life, but she wasn't finding it in the places where she was looking. Or what about the lame man at the pool of Bethesda in John chapter 5? He he was looking for life and, and placing all of his hope for healing in a superstition that from time to time an angel would come down and touch the waters and stir the waters and that the first person into the waters after they had been stirred would be healed. He was looking for a better life through this superstitious belief. 
And for 38 long years, he could not find the better life in the places where he was looking for it. We could do this for every character in the Bible, all the way back to Adam and Eve, who thought that by gaining knowledge, by eating the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil would give them a better life. But all that it did was bring to them death. They were looking for life, but couldn't find it in the places where they were looking. And we do the same thing all of the time in our lives, don't we? We're constantly searching for something that will fill us up, something that will give us a sense of meaning and purpose and significance in our lives, something that will cause us to feel loved and accepted, something that will make us feel whole and complete. But all too often, we look for these things in all of the wrong places. We look for work to give us a sense of self-worth. We look to friends to give us a sense of acceptance and belonging. We look to our possessions to give us a, a sense of status. We look to our kids to give us a sense of significance. We look to vacations to give us the uh, feeling of rest. We look to our sources of entertainment to give us joy in our lives. We look to all kinds of pleasures to give us satisfaction and delight. We look to various forms of escape from reality to give us a sense of peace. We look to all sorts of places to find the very most important things in life. Yet over and over and over again, we end up just like the women at the tomb that first Easter morning, confused and unsatisfied because we are not able to find what it is that we are really looking for. Our pursuits leave us empty and dissatisfied, always longing for something more, always longing for something lasting. We're always looking for life, but all too often we're looking for that life in places where life can never be found. Why is that the case? Why do we do this? Well, there are two reasons that are given in the Scripture passage this morning. The first is that we don't remember, and the second is that we don't believe. First, we don't remember. That was the case for the women in our passage this morning. They simply didn't remember. As they were standing in the tomb, disappointed and confused because they couldn't find Jesus' body, an angel had to remind them that Jesus wasn't there because He had risen from the dead. And then the angels reminded the woman of Jesus' words when He had told them that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day rise again. They had forgotten what Jesus had said to them. And so they came looking for Him in a place where they should have known He wasn't going to be. We often run to empty tombs looking for life because we have a memory problem as well. We don't remember that Jesus said that we must come to Him in order to have life, that it is only in Him that we can be satisfied, where we will never hunger or thirst again. We have a memory problem with Jesus' words. We also have a memory problem with our own experiences in empty tombs. We don't remember the feelings of emptiness, disappointment, sadness, frustration, guilt, shame, despair that come from looking for life in all of the wrong places. 
We fool ourselves into thinking it will be different this go-round. We trick ourselves into believing that, that things will be better and that our efforts will work this time. We forget that life is never found in these empty pursuits, in these hollow tombs. We don't remember. But sometimes the problem isn't that we don't remember. Instead, it's that we simply don't believe. That was the problem with the rest of the disciples on that first Easter morning. After the women had been reminded of Jesus' words, they went back to tell the others that Jesus had risen. But when the disciples heard this news, they didn't believe the women because it sounded to them like nonsense. I wonder why it sounded to them like nonsense. Was it because the news was too good to be true? Or was it because they were so disappointed by their unmet expectations of what they thought that Jesus was going to do for them that they refused to allow themselves to hope in Him again? And I wonder if that's ever a problem for us. Have you ever felt disappointed by Jesus? Ever felt let down by your unmet expectations in His promises for your life? You've tried to find contentment in Him, yet you've continued to long for something more. You've tried to trust Him to give you a sense of peace in life, but you remain anxious and unsettled about the future. You've tried to make sense of His ways, but in our culture that has never seemed to square up. And because of all of that, you eventually stop believing over time, stopped hoping. Instead, you've just decided to turn to other sources to meet the needs in your life and to satisfy the longings and the desires of your heart. If that's the case for anyone here this morning, let me honestly ask you, how is that working out for you? Are you finding more peace somewhere else? Are you finding more satisfaction somewhere else? Are you finding a joy that abides anywhere else? Are you finding life that is truly life in any of the other places where you search for it? Sometimes we don't remember Jesus' words. Sometimes we simply don't believe them. Either way, the result is often the same that we end up running to empty tombs looking for life. And once we get there, we end up confused and disappointed that that's not where life is found. So what do we do about this? What can we do about this dilemma that we run into over and over and over again in our lives, looking for life in all of the wrong places? Well, the Apostle Peter shows us a better way at the end of our passage this morning. For after the women came back from the tomb and had reminded the disciples of what Jesus had said, and, and after they told the disciples about what they had seen in the empty tomb, most of the disciples didn't believe them, but Peter responded differently. Having been reminded of Jesus' words, he chose to believe that they were true, at least enough to go and to check them out for himself. And in verse 12, what we read is that Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. See, Peter went to consider the emptiness of the tomb for himself. 
He checked it out. And discovering that it really was empty, he turned away from the empty tomb, leaving it behind, and he began hopefully wondering about what had happened. He turned and he began to look for life somewhere else. He turned and he began to look for Jesus. And church, this is what Easter ought to do for every one of us. This is one of the reasons why Easter morning is so important. Because what Easter morning reminds us is that it does no good to run into empty tombs looking for life. Because Jesus, the source of all life, has risen from the grave. He is not in the tomb anymore. You see, if Jesus were still in the tomb, then all of these other pursuits would make sense. In fact, they'd be our only options. There'd be no other place to look for life. But Jesus wasn't in the tomb on that first Easter morning, and He isn't in the tomb on this Easter morning either. He has risen, and He is alive. And because of that, we do not look for life in empty tombs where it can never be found. Instead, now when we are looking for life, we look to the risen Lord who is alive and who is the source of all life. This is what Peter did. And this is what the Scriptures call us to do again and again and again. We heard it this morning in our reading from Colossians, where we're not to set our minds on the hopes and the things of this world, which are empty tombs, but instead we are to set our minds and our hopes on things that are above, on Christ, who has been raised and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, for He is the source of everything that we are looking for. And He is the source of everything that we need for this life and for the life to come. So church, let me leave you this morning, this Easter morning, with one simple question. Where are you searching for life? Are you looking for love or for joy or for peace or for rest or for significance or for meaning, or for identity, or for a life that is worth living in an empty tomb where those things can never be found? If you are, and we all do at one point or another. But let me encourage us this morning to end those empty pursuits. And instead, beginning anew this Easter day, let us remember and let us believe that Christ is risen. He is no longer in the grave. So let us stop running to empty tombs in search of life, and instead let us follow the example of Peter who examined the empty tomb for what it was, empty. And instead he turned to look for life in Christ because He is risen. Amen. The Easter statement in the Nicene Creed that we're about to do is very short.
just says, on the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. That little last part, in accordance with the scriptures, that tells us this was God's plan all along. So let's remember what we believe and remind each other what we believe by standing and saying the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. In this Easter season, let us offer our prayers to God, remembering that Christ has triumphed in his resurrection over the powers of death, evil, and injustice in this world. Father, extend the reach of your kingdom through the resurrection life of Christ. That our world, our nation, Extend your holy church with your power that raised Jesus from the dead. That we, being united in him, may live and proclaim his life-giving glory. Jesus, draw to yourself all those who do not yet know you and all those who are far from you. Strengthen, defend, and renew the lives of those who suffer injustice in this world. Holy Spirit, comfort the sick and the suffering and all those without peace in this world. Intercede for us when our words fail and when our sin paralyzes us. this time we invite you to offer your prayers before the Lord, either silently or out loud. Father, we continue to pray for Aaron's sister. Ask for your grace and for your mercy over her life.